Welcome to AdvisorTech Unplugged, the monthly podcast brought to you by MoneyInfo, the client portal and mobile app supplier for financial advisors and wealth managers. This podcast is designed to help address the challenges of the 21st century advisor. Each month, we invite a special guest to talk to us about current topics affecting their area of expertise in the advisor tech space. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or general feedback, get in touch with us by email at support at moneyinfo.com or tweet us at moneyinfotech. So good afternoon. Welcome to the next in our Money Info podcast um, series. I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Bajant-Reed with us today. And we're going to be talking about um, CRM, really, and the, the, the topic around anybody that's thinking about um, moving to a different CRM supplier or potentially staying with their, their current CRM supplier. So anyone really that's re-evaluating um, their current strategy and setup. So Chris Bajant Mead, um, welcome to, to the Money Info podcast. Thank you ever so much for your time and for joining us today. Thank you, Lou. Really uh, good to be here and great to chat to you. It's been a, a long time, so it's always good to have a catch up. Brilliant. Thank you. And I know you're extremely busy, so um, we do appreciate you spending the time. So for those of you that don't know Chris, um, and I'm quite sure many of you will have um, worked with Chris or seen Chris or heard Chris speaking at other, other events and podcasts over the years. Chris is the founder and managing director of Jigsaw Tree. Um, Jigsaw Tree work with financial advice firms every day um, to support and improve their operation. And I'll just ask you, Chris, just to give a, a brief overview of, of you if you want, or, or just the company if you want, just to give the, the audience an idea of what, what you do and what Jigsaw Tree is about and the services that you you offer. Yeah, no worries at all, Lou. Um, so I've been in financial services for 25 years, just a, a short time, um, and uh, created Jigsaw Tree 10 years ago in February. And it's all about giving advice firms better outcomes, better outcomes in terms of their process, better outcomes in terms of their technology, better decisions to future-proof the business, um, in order to maximize the technology that they're using, making decisions around that, um, due diligent processes. So it's, it's all things to support the advice firm, either in their selection, use, re-engagement, um, training, document templates, outsourcing. It's all of that range of, of services that we provide. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you. So as I mentioned at the at the beginning, a short while ago, we're just going to, to concentrate today on um, changing your back office or indeed sticking with your existing back office CRM provider. Um, and as Chris has just explained, the business um, Jigsaw Tree do lots of different things, but this is what we're going to, to focus on and concentrate on today. And um, Chris has a significant amount of experience in supporting firms of all sizes um, who are I guess um, ideally about to embark on on this kind of project, but has been involved in um, getting involved with projects further down the line or or you know earlier on in, in the process. So I guess we'll just start at, at the beginning really. And, and any firm that comes to you, Chris, who um, is thinking about changing their their current CRM provider um, or identifying if it's if it's the right thing to stay with their existing CRM supplier. When is a good time for them to, to contact you and what should they start thinking about at the beginning of the, of the process? I think 
you know, for us, it's much easier if we start with the firm at the beginning um, of that journey, if you like. So, um, you know, when they're even considering what the criteria is for uh, a new CRM solution, um, just because what we have is a really clear due diligence process that's well structured. Um, and as you said, we have got involved with firms, you know, firms that have been thinking about changing for five to six years and we've just helped them go through that decision-making process but what we tend to do with firms is as you would expect we've, we've got a template with a whole raft of questions and we just tailor that to the particular firm that we're working with um, but what we like to do is measure every stage of the process so once we've built the template for the tender or the RFI we will then benchmark their existing technology just so that they have um, a measurement to say for one firm they were getting I think it was 47% um, of the functionality they would ideally like and by changing the tech that changed to 85% um, so quite a significant uplift uh, in what they were able to get from a new technology. That, that's really, oh, sorry go on. No, that, that's okay. You jump in, Lou. <laughs> um, and and I suppose firms don't know what they're getting out of their existing CRM necessarily. Um, and it's possible that you know we know, don't we, that CRM systems and applications move on. You know, there we go. Some quite quickly, um, and some you know are are making big changes and fundamental changes. And if those businesses don't keep up with the changes. Um, then it could be that actually the functionality they do want is actually available to them um, in, within their current current supplier. We must just apologise about the dog, but we will try and edit that out. Um, and um, you mentioned the, the due diligence um, and, and the right outcomes being so important. And is the due diligence the, the kind of first part of that of that process or does that come further down the line? No, due diligence is the, the, the start of it, really, just to make sure that we've captured the right requirements and thought things through with the firm to make sure that any providers we go to um, to be considered for selection um, have the, the right criteria. Um, and equally, what we tend to do is um, prioritise and weight um, the answers that those providers give to make sure that the important stuff uh, is given a higher weighting. Um, and then I think you made a really pertinent point, Lou. You know, technology changes at such a pace these days. And what we tend to find with firms is that they haven't necessarily kept pace with their training budget to say, let's just make sure, you know, when there are major releases, whether it's half yearly, we then get the staff trained to make sure we can maximise the new functionality or even have an owner of that tech to drive it into the business to say we will review new functionality and if appropriate, push it out into the wider business. So, so there's a couple of elements there that you know, firms tend not to do um, because the pace of change tends to be quite quick and, and as you and I, they're very busy at the moment. And it is, it's not just about that upfront initial, you know, let's have three days of, of training to, to learn our you know, entire new CRM system, it is really important to keep up with that training um, and take up the, you know, the, the, the release notes or whatever it might be that those CRM providers are, um, are, are kind of providing. 
And in terms of the due diligence, and we'll, we'll stick with that for a moment, how, how long does that process take? And that might be a, a kind of how long's a piece of string question, but is there a is there a rough idea of a maybe a timescale for the whole project as well might, might be of interest? Yeah, and, and I think that's an interesting one. And for different firms, it, it is very different. So if we're running um, a tender process, that would take us between five and 10 days, depending on the complexity, because what we like to do is take it away, score it, and then we will write a business change um, business case uh, to go to the board. Implications and the change implications are understood. Um, and then a lot of firms will like to select us to help them manage that onboarding process because there's lots of moving parts. And again, for us, we've got projects that have run three months up to two years for that onboarding piece. Uh, and then for us, what's really important and something that our clients really value is having floor walking. Um, so we all know when we first start with new technology, everybody looks at, at their laptop or whatever they're working on um, like they're not sure which buttons to press and the floor walking really gives them that confidence that they know what they're doing so at the end of that floor walking piece which tends to be five to ten days um, you know the users are really confident in using that technology um, and know how to maximize the use of it for that particular stage of the project. That's really important isn't it because it can just be a confidence thing and people know which button they need to press but actually when it comes to to pressing that button you can have an attack of the the kind of oh is that the right button or am I going to break something or you know cause some horrific problems further down the line and that floor walking you know historically I suspect was you know was actually on site with the client and just has that translated okay to the the virtual remote environment? Yeah I think um, we have quite a structured environment with sort of open zoom sessions drop-in training sessions one-to-ones um, although, you know, this year, at the tail end of this year, we are getting back out um, into the market and doing it on a face to face basis, because, you know, whilst it does work virtually, there's nothing better than having somebody with you um, just asking those questions, looking at what you're doing and how you're doing it and making you think the scenarios through. Because when firms go through training, whilst the training is tailored, um, you know, there are real life scenarios that you may not cover in training because you can't cover every eventuality. So for us, that floor walking piece is critical. Really critical, isn't it? And it does, I, I guess it does really impact the, the success or, or otherwise of, of the implementation. And it, it is a big upheaval as I speak to clients, and, you know, on a, on a daily basis about money info and the portal, but also firms often ask me, um, you know, which CRM supplier should we be having a look at and how should we start, a, you know, approaching this project and all oh, it's going to cost us lots of money and it's going to, you know, it's going to take a lot of time. But actually, that's fine, isn't it? If you can demonstrate that 47% um, existing functionality to 85%, I'm sure as part of the, the process and the technology is kind of the start, isn't it? There is an opportunity for you to, at some point when the the dust has settled and, and people are more familiar with the new tech that you can look at some processes for them and see where improvements can be made using functionality in their new CRM that they may not have had in their in their old um, supplier. Yeah, and, and do you know what, Lou, you make a great point there. Um, we do help firms with their processes. We use a fabulous piece of kit 
called uh, Engage Process. Um, and what we tend to do with firms is map their existing process uh, and then map it in new world and we can compare the maps together so we get an efficiency saving. So in addition to the 40, 47 to 85% functionality increase, we can then look at process improvements and process efficiencies and where we've removed you know, processes that have just been built over time and where firms have equally had to gap fill with lovely Excel spreadsheets, mm -hmm. remove all of those things, firms can really see the benefits that they gain from implementing new tech. And on that, so there's quite a lot of upheaval and quite a lot of change for, you know, members, members of staff that might have been there when the original CRM was put into place and they like the product, they like the application, they like the company that they're working with. So um, I suspect, you know, sometimes there are um, some people within the, the business that are less keen on the change and there are other members of the business that are actually, you know, champing at the bit for that, that change to be made. And do you help the businesses manage that kind of, you know, selling into the, the, the employees and the staff that are going to be using the new technology? Yeah, and absolutely, because it's all about being inclusive. Um, and we, you know, previously we've had situations where we've been brought in at a very late stage or when they've decided they're moving to new tech and that engagement hasn't necessarily happened. And you do have advocates for the previous system because people like what they like and they know what they know and, and therefore the unknown can sometimes be quite scary. So, you know, our view is always about being inclusive showing the value and getting people involved in that journey of change. It's really important. And who, on that, who should be involved in the, in the project on a, a kind of day-to-day, um, week-to-week basis whilst you're, you know, you're really in the, in the thick of it and you're, you, you're in your database kind of transfer mode and you're checking the data and, and you're getting ready to go live versus who should be involved at a, a more kind of strategic level or a, or a project kind of sponsor? level which which types of people work well on a project of this type yeah so so project governance again you know really important so in terms of the project team that will be um, people who have a broad spectrum of roles that that are representative across the business so someone from operations compliance it uh, mi um, power planning advisors to make sure that you know, any aspects where the technology will change, change or impact those areas, they can be involved um, because there's lots of moving parts in those projects and, and making sure you've got the right input and involvement is important. And then from a governance perspective, um, you know, as you mentioned, the project sponsor. So we tend to set up a project board um, to make sure that we have any escalations um, and we tend to use a piece of technology called Trello for that, and that tends to work really well. So we can talk through um, any actions um, and any issues that need to be discussed and escalated at that level as well. Brilliant. And my next question was going to be, how, how do you ensure the project stays on track? But you've um, preempted that. And was it Trello? It just slightly, slightly broke up this end, that the product that you use. Yes, we use Smartsheet for the project, and then we use Trello for the project board. So just two different technologies um, that enable us to keep that project running well um, with the right governance in place. Brilliant. And another kind of um, things that you do at the beginning of the project to understand, I guess, 
at a wider business level what the business goals and objectives are so that when you're feeding into that with this element of, of changing CRM providers that you're also you know striving towards hitting those objectives and goals and do you then set specific goals and objectives for the the actual project or projects itself yeah so when we um write an RFI or a tender we will always include um in there for the technology companies a bit about the business the company strategy business wants to achieve what those um, success measures are so we will include that in the RFI so that it's really clear to any technology companies pitching um, as to what the business wants to achieve as a result of this change um, and we make sure that those success measures are reviewed um, sort of during the project to make sure that you know we are achieving them so for a current firm we've got 11 success measures and at the moment we're heading towards go live which is very scary um, and I think we've got three session measures outstanding so we know that there's a real push behind those and they are getting closer so um yeah really got to look at those because they're so important because that it's um these crms you know they are they're what we, we would call kind of in the, i guess in the trade and off the shelf product but i know more and more there's so much configuration and customization that can be done within them that you know does require um expertise and people that, that know all of the, those different areas but actually you know if firm a speaks to firm b and firm b have had an amazing implementation of a crm and it's it's meeting that kind of 85 percent that might not be the same requirement for firm a so case studies are brilliant and reference sites are brilliant and i think there's you know there's absolutely a need for them and where where firms can can take those up um, and ask for them is really important, but individual kind of business objectives and requirements, firm A to firm B aren't necessarily the same. So there's a lot of, I guess, research to do um, around that. And are there any things that, that you recommend firms do when they're trying to choose a new CRM alongside the, the RFI and the due diligence that you're working on them with? Yeah, so, so for me, it's about making sure that you score different aspects of the process so whilst we have scoring against the RFI when the tech companies come in to provide a demonstration everybody will score against that demonstration because otherwise you get into subjectivity well I like this bit I like that provider but we have to cut through that subjectivity to say well actually when we aggregate the scores this is what the scores tell us um, and then what we also do, as you've said, reference sites, so important. You know, we talk about what the experience is. Um, and again, we have uh, a set of questions that will go into every call and they we will always record against the call um, what that particular user has said about their experience. And if there are any elements or aspects that are picked up where we think, mm, you know, that doesn't sound like it's a great experience, we will always refer that back to the tech provider to say, okay, well, how can you mitigate that particular issue for this particular firm? Um, and I think your other bit around, you know, what do firms have to think about? Um, but for me, it's, it's around making sure that one, they are really clear in terms of what they want that technology to deliver for them now and in the future. So they have some future proofing um, and, and perhaps not just look at the tech that's available today, but also to have a look at the roadmap to say, OK, so what's coming down the track so we can start looking at, you know, this is the project plan 
to take us to go live and then we will always have a post go live because when we go live it's the start of the journey it's not the end so what happens at that kind of you've done your go live and you've got through all of the the data transfer and you've had i guess maybe a, a little bit of downtime then you've yeah. do, done the post implementation and um, kind of checks do, do you stay involved with those businesses after or can you stay involved afterwards or does it very much depend on the the firm and, and what their requirements are yeah absolutely right it, it depends on the firm uh for a number of firms we've absolutely stayed engaged so uh, one particular firm went into the MA space, so they've started making acquisitions um, and bringing those into their new technology. So they wanted some support there. Um, you know, other firms say, look, we need some more help going into our sort of phase two, phase three, post go live um, and how we manage those projects. So there's a whole variety of things that we do as a result afterwards. Um, and for other firms, because we do database assessments, they'll say, look, once we've gone six months live, can you do a database assessment and tell us what other recommendations that you will have? That's interesting. And I was just just thinking as you were talking, because, I mean, I've, I've gone through a couple of kind of, um, you know, cha- changes and database merges and, and et cetera, moving to new CRM systems. Is it is it a good opportunity for firms to look at their existing client data and actually make a decision to not transfer all of that legacy data and legacy information because they're actually, whilst they need to retain it, they may be able to retain it on a, on a kind of single read-only license and actually just move across what they, what they need for their, for their going forward. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, and particularly with GDPR, you know, often we see firms where they will have thousands of prospects that they shouldn't be retaining that data anyway. Um, and, and it is an ideal opportunity to say, well, let's look at the segmentation. Let's look at the data cleansing. And for some firms, you know, the cleansing can be done during that downtime when the data transitions from one to another or it's an iterative process as they go through. And, and so, you know, data migration, again, is one of the core elements um, that we always look at in significant detail because it's the the foundation to that business and how they're going to operate moving forward. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And I think it's a great opportunity. It's one of those things that I suspect firms know they need to do, even if they're not thinking about changing their CRM, but, you know, probably possibly don't get round to because it doesn't hit that, you know, the top of that priority list amongst other things that they have to do and and that they are are doing. Um, And you mentioned actually, you know, phase two, phase three, and actually the, you know, the beginning is, is only the beginning and there's lots more after that. And I think we, with our firms that we work with, you know, Money Info has a, has a raft of functionality from the, you know, the aggregation, the valuation, um, workflows, sending secure messages, delivering documentation um, securely and automated reporting, all of those things. And, you know, sometimes firms, you know, they want to put everything in straight away, but actually... Um, you can take a step back and you can start with a with a structure and then you can introduce new functionality um, as as you go through, you know, six, three, six months down the line. And that's also really good for the clients of the firms because you're introducing new services and functions to your clients. So it doesn't all have to be done day one. And actually you can can spread it out and still have a really, really successful rollout and implementation of a new new application. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. It's about having that control in place. 
but also that recognition that a firm can't implement every single piece of functionality at day one. Um, you know, because what they have to look at is their processes. So you don't take old world into new technology. Mm. The fundamental flaw that, that firms try to deconstruct the new tech to work in the way that they used to work. And that is such a flawed strategy for firms to have. Data, really important. Looking at the configuration and getting that right, because that will impact how the users are able to maximise the way they operate that technology and then the, the other element is integration so you know making sure that you know they've got money info how does the integration work let's just make sure that that is tested with rigor during that onboarding process so that when the firm goes live all these other integrations that they have behave in the way that they expect them to behave that's it isn't it because whilst they're you know they're similar and they're using similar platforms and um, and, and ways of aggregating that data, it does need to be considered and checked. And, you know, you can run, I guess, test cases and example clients and pre-merge checks. Let's do a little test run before we do the full full merge. And there's all sorts of things. And that's, I think that's where you come in, isn't it? Because you're doing this really regularly for firms. You know the, you know the kind of the hotspots, you know the, the danger points that, that firms could fall into. Whereas, you know, people don't move CRMs every year. It's probably... Um, you, you'll know better than me, but I guess a kind of five, between five and eight years, I'm not sure. So they don't, they don't have all of the experience and the skill that you can bring to it, that you've learned from, you know, other, other projects that you've worked on um, beforehand. Well, you're absolutely right, Lou. And, you know, we got to know each other through first and, and that technology was introduced into the market in 1999. And there are still firms using that technology. So when we talk about technology change, for some firms, it's 20 years, which, you know, you know, those users have found workarounds and ways of getting the technology either inside that old tech or outside working in the way that they need it for their business. So it, it is quite a major change. And the other thing that, you know, we look at is what is the end user experience to make sure that, you know, that is a positive one because, if a firm has a poor onboarding experience, what happens is that new technology gets blamed for everything. Um, and whether or not it is related to the new tech, that's where all the blame goes. And, and what we've had to do with a number of firms is pick them up post onboarding, and they could be two years after um, they've looked at that technology. Um, and what's happened is nobody uses it because they had a poor onboarding experience. And here we are two years on, and we have to go in and reignite that passion for the firm and get them re-onboarded and using that technology in the right way. And that, you make that, I guess, sound easier than it is. How would, how would you approach that? What would be your first, first step to, to re-engaging and reigniting the, the kind of, the, the confidence, I suppose it is, isn't it? Absolutely it is. And, you know, for us, it's about engaging with the right people across the business. It's about conducting an assessment um, so that we can replay back to the firm. Look, this is, you know, and for some tech, we look at 14 different areas and we rag rate it. So again, that becomes part of our success measure to say, right, here's the areas we've looked at. Here's how you're using it. Here's the opportunity in your business to do better. Um, and to really 
engage with that technology in a better way. And sometimes we'll involve the technology company too to bring in the account managers to start building those relationships. Um, and then we will build a project plan uh, to make sure that we work with collaborative, collaboratively with that firm um, to get them really looking at how they're using the tech and prioritising what more they want to get from it. And just can you give us an example of, of, of a project that has just been a real success and how quickly they were seeing, um, you know, I'm sure they all are, but just if, are there any kind of standouts that you thought maybe wouldn't go as well as they did or the benefits weren't realised as quickly as they as they were? Yeah, so, um, and I can mention them because there, there are a video on our website. So Fidelius, so Fidelius uh, were on Enable and they wanted to select um, a new technology um, and again, they were one where they'd done some due diligence and it was just us helping them bring that to life. We mapped their processes. Uh, we supported them through the commercial negotiations. Um, we helped them do the project management. Um, and then just as we were about to start the project, they then advised us that they had acquired a business. So it complicated the project, but we still managed to deliver it um, within the time frame for one firm where we actually had two firms um, and they've gone on and they've acquired other businesses and you know they're using the technology well and they've got it embedded um, to the core of their business which is what we like to see firms doing. Yeah it has to be doesn't it because none of this technology is you know there's, all, there's a cost to all of it there's license fees and there's you know potentially um, costs for ongoing training or or whatever it may be so it has to be used and it has to be intrinsic to the business and not just oh we need to update our crm it's 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 kind of right you know updating the crm is part of the beginning of a piece of work or a, an annual review or a piece of advice or all the way through then to the the income and, and fee reconciliation and um, that also needs to be managed properly for the business to know you know what's coming in what's projected what hasn't come in um, it, it's it's all the way through that kind of that process, isn't it? So it is, you know, it is a really fundamental part of a business that has to be intrinsic. Otherwise, you know, you just they just won't get the value, you know, from the MI and all of the hard work to get that data. You know, the data in is the beginning, isn't it? But it's what can you get out out at the other side and how and what does that mean as well? How does that drive the business forward or how does that identify subsequent areas for improvement or new functionality that, that we might like to use within the, the, the toolkit that we've been given by our technology supplier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right, you know, data is, is the core and that's where it all starts. Um, and then as, you know, we work with firms, you know, they don't always have all the necessary skill set and that's where we can provide them to that. So if they want to create templates, we've got specialists that can do that, that can really begin to drive that automation through the outputs that they can achieve, looking at you know, portals to be able to push information out to clients securely. Um, and then you know, income reconciliation. I think we have 60 firms that use our income reconciliation outsourcing service. Um, and it's really making sure that we can help them in that transition from old income rec that they know really well to a new income rec and, and make sure that that transition is smooth and that they really understand the differences between the previous supplier and the new supplier and, and how they're still going to be able to run all their reports and look at their debtors and provide their advisors with MI um, and what that looks like. So that's the outsourcing part of Jigsaw Tree where 
you you kind of remove the need for somebody within the business to do that role and sometimes it's a it's a bit of someone's role isn't it and sometimes they have a a dedicated person to do that but you take that you take that problem away really and you just do all of the processing all of the 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 updating of electronic commission reconciliation and and the firm then get the outputs and the reports based on you having done the um the sort of the, the the data work really the the application work yeah, and, and often we see with firms, you know, they may either have a, a single point of failure in the business or, you know, someone may have left and they just feel that it's a, a good opportunity um, to change that. And, you know, we've got firms that we work with from one man bands up to 30 million pound turnover businesses. So, you know, broad spread um, of organisations that, that use our help and support um, in that particular area. Brilliant. And is there anything else that I haven't kind of managed to ask you about um, moving from one CRM supplier to another and, and the project that, that you think is, you know, good to know or, you know, absolutely vital to, to be aware of or, or cover off? Um, I, I think in terms of the size of organisation, um, some of them, you know, there may be some board reporting in business cases. Um, you know, we help firms with that. Um, and getting those commercials right, really important. You know, there often is some flex with the technology firms. Um, always ask the question, um, always see where you can get the commercials um, to make sure that, you know, you can get what you need out of the process. Um, and then for some firms, you know, whether it's appropriate to do a, a test um, data migration um, to make sure it's clear and understood as to how that data is going to come across um, again is really important. Brilliant and I think with any of these things you know sometimes people feel um, you know um, and I do this all the time you know ask ask a silly question but actually there are I suspect no silly questions because if you don't understand something that's being explained or or you know what you're being shown it's just really important to to make sure you know everybody's on the same page and understands that because you know we're all well, certainly probably I'm guilty of you know technical jargon and sometimes it doesn't need to be that technical so um, there are there are no silly questions I suspect during these projects and, and processes that people go through. Do you know you're absolutely right Lou and there are so many um, acronyms and and lots of jargon that sits in financial services it is the same in technology and, and something that is called I don't know, a manager in one firm could be called a provider in another firm or, you know, you have things like threads and widgets and workflows and, you know, business process flows and all sorts of stuff. And, and what we also help firms do is interpret, well, this is what it means in your existing system. This is what it means in your new system. And because sometimes that jargon can be really confusing for firms. Yeah, and um, doesn't doesn't need to be, does it? So that's that's really really useful. So if firms are, um, are listening to you today, and, and thank you for all of that really valuable um, insight into what we've been talking about. If they're interested in um, getting in touch with you about that or the other services that you offer, what's their what's the best way of, of doing so? So it's a number of ways. Um, if they want to go onto our website, which is um, jigsawtree.com, there's a contact us page, but that has some really useful information some great case studies and some videos so if they want to hear from existing clients about the benefits that they've had it's such a great place to go um, or you know my details are on there in terms of contact details or through LinkedIn um, Twitter you know all sorts of social media and um, any way they can contact us um, and I would be delighted to have a conversation with them. 
Well, look, that's honestly brilliant, brilliant content, Chris, really, um, really useful and um, really interesting. And I'm sure um, the audience listening will have found that useful for us as well. Um, Chris mentioned case studies, etc. moneyinfo.com. We've got lots on there and we've got our podcast series that's fully booked up to the end of the year. And thanks again, Chris, for, for taking um, the time today to speak to us. If you're interested in talking to us on a podcast or or anything, please do, do get in touch. And um, we hope, um, Chris and I hope you found that really useful. Great. Thanks, Lou. It's, um, you know, thank you for asking me to be part of it. I always enjoy uh, my involvement with Money and Fair. Well, hopefully at some point, Chris, we'll see each other at an, an event somewhere, face-to-face, real life, with a, you know, with our stands and talking to to clients face to face, which I think is coming. So um, yeah, we'll see you soon. We will do. That's fab. All right. Thanks, Lou. All the best. Thank you. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye. The Advisor Tech Unplugged podcast was brought to you by the team at Money Info. For more information, please visit www.moneyinfo.com. Book a discovery call with us to learn how we can help you to deliver a better client experience with your own branded client portal and apps from Apple and Android.